I love cops. I just love the show Cops. I mean, we're blessed to have a lot of, law, actually quite a few law enforcement officials, officers in our midst all the time. Uh, you know, we have active and retired mm, Columbus police, Franklin County Sheriff, we have homicide detective, we have, we have another detective from another municipality. We, we've just got cops here. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. But when I say I love cops, I don't mean I like those guys. Because some of them I do, and some of them are just like the rest of you. But I like the show Cops. I mean, I am absolutely hooked on this whole concept of, of riding around with those guys for two half-hour episodes on Saturday night. And uh, just vicariously pulling over bad guys, hearing the same lame excuses, and then uh, cuffing and stuffing them into the back of my cruiser. I, I've never actually done this, but the thought has crossed my mind. I actually set up like two rows of chairs in front of the TV and uh, driving along with them, you know. <laughs> I... I I got to admit, I, I especially like the episodes, which is every episode where there's a struggle. <laughs> Come on, you guys, are you with me? You see these bad guys, and they get caught, and they're, putting, they're down, man, they're down. And you know, like you got five cops on them, and they're getting, them, they're getting them submitted to the cuffs. And after all this struggling and punching, and they get them over to the car door. And I think it's always interesting that they always say, hey, watch your head. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just think it'd be a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty cool. I realize that by confessing my love for cops, I, I run the risk of alienating another large segment of our congregation. There are largely two kinds of people at the vineyard. I think it would be a kind of a fun study to see if any of our former bad guys were actually arrested by any of our present good guys uh, in the room and that somehow God in his divine providence and huge sense of humor has brought you all together to sit together and worship Jesus. That would be a fun study. (laughs) Um, But I'm not sure if it's because two of my favorite uncles that I idolized were, were career New York State troopers or because Carl Booth once let me sit in the cruiser and play with the lights and the siren. I probably shouldn't say that, should I, Carl? It's, it's all okay. I think the statute of limitations is probably up on that. It was a while ago. But I just think that that would be a very cool way and a good way to spend your life. Hmm. And I think that you guys must be getting this teaching I'm doing on Kingdom Authority better than anyone else. Because it's been your lot in life to live under the authority of a badge. And you get what that means. You had no personal authority of your own. It was given to you. It was granted to you. You didn't just wake up one morning and decide you have personal authority so you're going to go out and buy a gun and a uniform and paint your car black and white and drive around and start pulling over bad guys. At least I hope that's not what you did. 
But you put yourself through some, some system of training, some system of understanding and development, till you came to the place of knowing what the authority was and what the limits of the authority were. And, and then you gave yourself to some entity that had the right to grant you that authority, and you took that authority, and you took the responsibility of that authority and that badge, and you have spent your life now protecting us because of the authority that was given to you. And that's what kingdom authority is about. That's what I've been talking about. It's taking the authority that isn't ours in ourselves, but because of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us, and not only his perfect life, and not only even his death and resurrection, but his ascension and seated at the right hand of God, and inviting us to be seated there with him, as Ephesians says, and receiving our authority so that we can then take an authority that wasn't ours in the beginning, but is ours to have now, and is meant to radically impact then the way we live our lives. So last week I started a series of messages called Kingdom Authority, and uh, I started this because I'm convinced that it's time that Christians took up their authority and stopped living this watered-down version of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, but to take the fullness of what the Bible is offering us and what God is offering us through his son Jesus and begin living in the fullness of the authority that he wants to give us. And I think the time time to do this is right now, people. The time to do it is right now. Some of you will remember back in November in a series of messages that I brought, one was about Jesus coming back. And we don't preach a lot about that around here, but I was compelled by the Holy Spirit to bring that message that Jesus is coming back, and I believe coming back soon, that a series of, of powerful prophecies are being fulfilled in the here and now to give us reason to believe that the coming of Christ is near and so that the faith that we're living with today had better be the faith that we're willing at any moment also to die with, that we're not waiting to kind of get it going on with Jesus, but have it going on now because Jesus could be coming back at any time. And one of the things I told you, I showed you in that message was from 2 Thessalonians, that how as part, as part of the coming of Christ, the return of Christ, something called the man of lawlessness was going to be released. It's in the Bible. And I said to you on that day, I believe that the man of lawlessness in November, I said the man of lawlessness is being released, that the process is in motion. And then in December... 26 people, including 25 and 6-year-olds, were mercilessly slaughtered in an elementary school in Connecticut. The man of lawlessness has been released. And right now, law enforcement authorities all throughout Southern California are on a single manhunt for an ex-police officer who has gone bad and has declared war on law enforcement officers, has already taken three lives, The fact that he's declared war on law enforcement is an indication that the man of lawlessness is being released. And so there's never been a better time for we as believers to start taking seriously this offer that God is giving us for kingdom authority. Because kingdom authority, as you remember from last week, kingdom authority is that permission and power that God gives us to continue to do the works of Jesus with power. But it's also... 
that ability that we have, according to Ephesians chapter 6, to stand up against the wiles of the devil and stand up against the schemes that he has to take you down individually and to take us down as a church and to take us down as a human population. And I know why the devil hates you so much. He hates you so much because God loves you so much. And his hatred is purely motivated by his jealousy of the love of God that he tried to overtake in Isaiah chapter 14. In kingdom authority, this thing is, it's what we receive when we take our seats in the heavenly realm with Christ. And last week when we came up to take communion together and we came up and took our seats in the heavenly realms with Christ. This is a place, people. This is a place. This is a real place. A place to dwell in the Spirit. A place to be. And according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, and chapter 2, verse 6, it's our place to be as Christians. Well, today I want to continue the series by trying to answer the question, well, what does kingdom authority do? I have four answers, but I don't have time to get to all four of them, but we'll cover the material sometime or another. What does kingdom authority do? Well, first of all, kingdom authority gives us the confidence we need to pray. Kingdom authority gives us the very confidence that we need to pray. I think we talk a lot about prayer around here. I don't know if we talk about prayer more than other churches or not, because I only go to this one. I don't know. But I think we talk a lot about prayer around here, and I think that's good, but I think it might create problems for some of you. And it might be setting a standard that some of you feel like you'll never be able to achieve. You hear about these people praying this way and praying that way and praying for so long, and you're like, I don't even know how to get going. And we do everything we can to help you get going. But I think there are a lot of reasons why it might be striking you like, I don't know, I'm just not there. And one of the reasons that it might you might not be motivated to pray in the ways that you're hearing about is because you, have, you, you haven't yet developed a confidence that anything is really happening when you pray. You know, it's kind of like, well, I'm going to pray because they said I should. The tall, bald guy says he prays a lot, and I guess that's good. And he says I should, so here we go. Kingdom authority, when you receive this from God gives you confidence, confidence, confidence to pray. In 1 John 5, 14 and 15, it says, uh, it says this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. Man, that sounds like a big promise. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything what? According to his will. Well, there's a catch, eh? (laughs) And this has been lifted out of context and flipped around to try to get people to believe that you can really have anything you want anytime you want. That God's just a big McDonald's employee working in the drive-thru window and you just pull through and tell him what you want and it's already paid for. And that's really not what the Bible's saying at all. It says this is the assurance we have and the confidence is we have ask anything according to his will. Well, how do we find out what his will is? By living in the flow of kingdom authority. By living close to him. By taking our seat in the heavenly realms with Christ. John 5, 19, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Well, if we get caught up in the flow of doing what the Father's doing, anything we ask for in the context of that is going to be provided. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
And this is what it's talking about. But kingdom authority, by biting on this bait that I'm putting out there for you, will actually increase the power of your experience in prayer and will give you confidence. I think one of the great examples of this is how it can turn back Satan is in Acts chapter 4. I love this passage. In Acts chapter 4, and the church was being persecuted, and Peter and John had just been snatched up by the Sanhedrin, which were the spiritual bad guys, and uh, were threatened and said, don't ever talk about Jesus anymore. And they said basically, yeah, right, okay, yeah. And they let him go. And then in verse 23, it says, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, what did they do? they run and hide? No, it said they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Acts chapter 4, verse 24. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You know, this is all yours. This is your show. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why the nations rage, the people plot in vain. The kings of the earth take their stand. Rulers gather together against the Lord. And against the, it's like, I can't believe these people are, are opposed to you. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. And then, oh, look at verse, and their prayer continues in 28. Well, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. They were just playing into your hand. Now, Lord... Consider their threats. What? Consider their threats. Make them stop threatening us. Make them go away. Make the bad, be- make it easier. Give me Alexis. What's, what's the nature of this prayer? Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They were just threatened that if they keep talking about Jesus, it's going to get worse. So what did they pray? They had the confidence to pray. It, make us louder, Lord. Make us louder. They knew the consequences. Stretch out your hand to heal, because part of it was all they were called up because of this healing that they had done. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs. Make it worse. Get bigger, God. Perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Love it, love it, love it. How about you? That's confidence. That's what kingdom authority does. It creates a flow of confidence in prayer. Second, kingdom authority creates in us a victorious spirit. Kingdom authority, living in kingdom authority, creates inside of us a, consistent, a consistently victorious spirit. Have you noticed there's a certain amount of faith and even optimism required to live out this Christian life? Have you noticed it? And it's kind of it, that when we become depressed, when we become pessimistic, we, we realize that our faith is somehow attached to that. So there's some kind of a requirement. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so we don't even have a relationship with God outside of faith. So that there's, it's somehow incumbent upon us to develop a spirit of optimism, a spirit of victory, a spirit of, oh, I know it looks bad, but God can do this. But God can do this. A victorious spirit. You know, at least a sense of expectation. In Acts chapter 3, when Peter and John were on their way to pray, they saw this guy who had been crippled for a very, very long time, and he was begging. And they didn't have any money. And so they said, well, we don't have any money. Silver and gold I, I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he got up, and he walked, 
and he ran, and he leapt, and he praised God. That's a victory. That's, that's living in a spirit of expectation. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't have... Oh, wait, I have, I have something better. That's living in a victorious spirit. They were functioning in a certain realm of known authority. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. They were functioning consistently and always in the kingdom authority of the name of Jesus. It was part of who they were. It was a victorious spirit. It was an expectant heart. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul said, I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. I can do everything. And where was he at the time? He was in prison. He was in prison. So does that mean he could have escaped prison through Christ who strengthened him? Yes, absolutely. But what did he say in the beginning of that book that set the context for that verse at the end? He said, uh, I know you know I'm in prison and some of you are worried about that, but he says, don't be alarmed by this. Because I'm in prison, I've been able to preach to the palace guard and because of that, they're all getting saved. And so what he has this victorious spirit who says, I am right now, right now, perhaps unpleasant circumstances from your view, I am right now in the center of the will of God. And I'm going to live in this victorious, victorious spirit. And so he reveals his heart, and he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Karen and I have a somewhat different form of Philippians 4.13 that we use to encourage one another with a victorious spirit, and it actually comes from a punchline of an old joke that we heard many years ago and the the punchline of the joke just to cut to the chase is it ain't hot and i ain't here it's very all the details of the joke so there's this list of people who wake up in hell and they're all going oh woe is me and this guy oh woe is me oh it's miserable here how did i get here blah 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 until they get the last line of the until they get to the optimist and he's heard us saying over and over again it ain't hot and i ain't here Did you get it? The optimist in hell. It ain't hot. And I ain't here. All right, 11 o'clock service. No good. Okay, so it's not unlike this one. So the optimist is visiting New York City, right? And he's on top of the Empire State Building, 102-story high, and he accidentally falls off. And at every floor, he could be heard going by, so far, so good, so far, so good. (laughs) Is that better? Tough audience. Wow. You can drink coffee before you come to church, you know, it's okay. Doing ministry can be hard. Doing ministry can be hard. It's always worth it, but it can be hard. It can be hard because you don't always know your part of the script. And sometimes you mess up. And we love you. Karen and I love you. And we're, we're happy to help you clean up the mess. But sometimes, a lot of you somehow get together in a private meeting and decide to mess up all at once. And so it's in that time that Karen and I have to draw 
on a victorious spirit where we say it ain't hot and I ain't here to one another, but where we're just laying claim to that truth. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Being a Christian can be hard work, yes? The devil himself is posed against you, and it's getting harder. It's not going to be easier to be a Christian as these days unfold. It's going to be harder. And you will need a victorious spirit in the coming days more than ever before. How do you get that? You get that by living in the flow of kingdom authority in the nature of your relationship with Christ. Because it's living in the knowledge that there is no weapon formed against you that will prosper. It's living in that knowledge that bring, take your best shot and Jesus still has me covered. It's living in that victorious spirit that's going to make the difference for you today and in the coming days. How do you get that? By saying, God, I want to take up the kingdom authority. I'm a Christian. I'm trusting in your son as my savior. I want to live in the dynamic, kingdom dynamic of your Holy Spirit. And I want to, I want to, re, I want to be a recipient of the flow of this uh, kingdom authority. Number three, kingdom authority generates a history of positive kingdom experience. It generates a history of positive kingdom experience. There's nothing like a, a string of successes to get you going, right? I mean, maybe it's your golf game. Maybe, you, maybe you, you cleared the fences at work a few times. Maybe you raised your kids. They grew up and they turned out that they were human after all. I don't know that there's some... You're just glad about something. You have some line of, of successes that cause you to be encouraged. Well, that's what kingdom authority does in the spirit, in the realm of the kingdom of God. In Luke chapter 10, verse 17, the Bible says, the 72 that Jesus had sent out, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They returned how? With joy, with joy. This is awesome, you sent us out to do it, and it worked. It worked. And there's nothing like a few of those to really pump up your tires. Well, what worked? Well, go back to Luke chapter 9 and verse 1 and see, see what worked. Because earlier, Jesus had called, in this case, the 12 together, and he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So they were coming back from the, the fulfillment of that, and they were coming back with joy because it works. And when you live in the kingdom, kingdom dynamic, kingdom authority, and you see God do stuff because you stretch out your hands at his direction, then it just increases, 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 increases your faith, increases your victorious spirit. And I think that maybe some of you guys are like, one good kingdom experience away from having your lives changed forever. Some of you have had that, and you're going, I'm wrecked, I'm ruined, I, can't, I couldn't possibly live the same way now after seeing what I've seen God do. And some of you are living on the edge of that. And God's inviting you into the kingdom authority. Kingdom authority, listen, kingdom authority puts us in proximity with Jesus so that we're going to the places that we're meant to go. Remember in Luke chapter 9, it says that he sent them out. So he sent them out. You go here, you go there. He sent them out. And, and listen, having, having kingdom experiences with God 
depends to a great degree on being in the right place at the right time. And I know we often attribute that to happenstance. You know, I guess they were just in the right place at the right time. No, no, no. I think the plan of God is for us to be in certain places at certain times. And so the whole discipline of developing simple obedience to the Word of God and the voice of God puts us in the right places at the right times because that's where God is going to move in front of us. Does that make sense? And when you get some of these things in your database, everything begins to change. And so we get there by enjoying the kingdom authority flow. Number four, looks like I am going to get to it. Kingdom authority leads us to the ministries God means for each of us to have. You know God has a plan for your life in terms of ministry stuff he wants to do. If you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I want to make this point and we'll call the tower and see if we can get landed. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul's talking about spiritual gifts and the life then that we live that flows through us because of our individual spiritual gifting. And he's saying there are lots of different kinds of spiritual gifts and that God gives them to people as he wants them to be. Living in kingdom authority then gives God the opportunity to utilize our spiritual gifts. And by doing this and recognizing which gifts God blesses in us compared to those that he doesn't will lead us to the ministry that we're meant to have. Does that make sense? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit. Manifestation means like presence, outpouring, demonstration. Let's say the demonstration of the Spirit is given for the common good. So to each one, the Holy Spirit wants to demonstrate himself through each one, but for the common good. For everybody benefits. Everybody benefits when people function in the realm of their spiritual gifting. And he says, to one there is given, he just gives some examples. This list is not even exhaustive. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another the interpretation of tongues. Now catch this. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. And I think sometimes there's this insidious thing that happens in the church. We see someone kind of excelling in their faith. They're living in the kingdom dynamic, and we go, I want to be that. I I want that. And so we're probably all guilty of this, where we look, "I, I want that. And then we try to put ourselves in their skin. We try to maybe do what they do or act the way they act, or believe precisely what they believe, or, or whatever, and, and we find it to be a very frustrating experience, don't we? Well, that's because when you see somebody that's reveling in kingdom authority and kingdom power, well, all it means is that they have found their spot in the grace of God, and so they are functioning according to their gifting, which is probably not identical to yours. And so when you try and copy that, you get frustrated because while you're trying to copy gifts that you may not have, likely don't, you are not functioning in the gifts that you do have. Does that make sense? 
And it's not that you want to be the person you're looking at. You want to be in the same place the person is. That is, in the place of God's authority in your life, discovery of your spiritual gifts, and functioning powerfully in the midst of your spiritual gifts. Does that make sense? Now, there's another side of this thing. And that's that you will run into people who, because they're functioning in a certain spiritual authority according to their spiritual gifting, have not reached the personal maturity to realize what I just said. And so I've met lots of people, some of you right here in this church who are still doing this thing. You're functioning in your realm of authority and you're trying to impose that on everybody around you. And saying, well, if you knew this, you would be doing this. And it starts to make you feel small, doesn't it? Reject that in the name of Jesus. What you're seeing there, if somebody is trying to impose themselves on you, what you're seeing there is a lack of Christian maturity, is a lack of sanctification, is someone who has tasted of the things of the kingdom authority, of the power, but they're not living as closely with Christ as they should in order to maintain a level of humility that goes, Lord, I can't even believe I'm getting to do this, let alone am I going to impose this on everybody else. And I just give you permission, in fact, I urge you to reject that when you see it. Did that make sense? Because God has a plan for you. By your gifting. By your specific gifting. And you don't want to be your version of someone else. You want to be God's version of you. Fully authenticated in your spiritual gifts. And I just want to release you right now in the name of Jesus from the expectations of others, from this insidious thing that has crept into the church that says it's about getting someone's approval. It's about living in the approval that you already have with God through his son Jesus. Okay. So those are some of the things that kingdom authority can do. Pretty cool, eh? Yeah? It'll revolutionize your life. And it's time. You need kingdom authority. It's time. Time to come get your badge. I wonder what it was like for you police officers on your swearing-in day. I wonder what that was like. I mean, obviously you wanted to do it. Obviously you wanted to become a law enforcement officer. You gave yourself to the training, to the process. Maybe you dreamt about it as a kid. I don't know, but there came a time when it was swearing in day. That must have been an amazing day. To know that after they said those things to you, They were going to give you cartridges for your weapon. (laughs) After they said those things to you, they were actually going to give you a car or whatever your role was, but they were actually going to put a badge on you and say, you now have the authority. One of the things I feel fairly certain I can say with confidence is that you had to go to that. You couldn't just call in and say, hey, could you just send me my badge? I don't feel like coming today. I'm good, you know, just send me my badge. That you had to go. 
that it wasn't optional. You had to come to the place and get your badge. Believers, you want this authority? You've got to come and get it. This terrible malaise has crept into the 21st century American church. Malaise. I'll think about that. I wouldn't. I'd come and get it. This is where it's all you. This is where it becomes all on you. I'm doing the training. I'm not an authority-granting person. The Lord is. I'm just a spokesman. I'm not a priest. I'm not standing between you and God saying, I can now confer this authority on you. I can't. I can tell you the truth about it. And I can pray fervently for it. But now it's on you. And if you want it, I want you to come and get it right now. You're not getting it from me. You're moving in your heart. I'm saying, I'm feeling this. I'm responding to it. Come and get it. If you haven't moved yet and wish you had, move. Move.